All right, Jake listeners, how we doing? What's going on out there? It is Wednesday, December 4th. Yeah, cracked into December. It's been a while, been a while since uh, the last pod. And uh, to be honest, things have just been so busy with work and, you know, traveling around and, and, you know, excuses, excuses. So haven't gotten as many podcasts in as I'd like, but I'm here today. Now, unfortunately... I think we're going to make the focus of this podcast kind of isolated. Uh, to you, to those who uh, don't really want to hear me talk about the Browns, this might not be your best podcast to listen to. Uh, but for those of you who want to hear an interesting side of things, if you want to hear a hot take on the Browns or, or whatever, this might be for you. But we're at the 75% mark of the football season, the three-quarter poll. It's... It's come up really fast, which is funny because this has felt like the longest season of all time, at least for Browns fans, at least for me. We came into this year with high expectations, and we are short of them. The crazy thing is, my expectations are actually very close to where we are. I thought we'd be 6-6 six and six at this point. We're 5-7. and seven. I thought we'd be 3-3 three and three at the bye. We were 2-4. and four. We're so close, yet so many things have gotten in the way. So many things have gone wrong for the Browns this season. And they're yet just short of where where I thought they'd be. I never thought it'd be easy. You know, we looked at the schedule and said, okay, this is a pretty tough schedule. Uh, Turns out it was a lot harder than we thought it was going to be because San Francisco and Seattle... Uh, took big leaps forward, and as the Rams fell down, those two teams basically became the Rams. So it was like a two-for-one trade. The Ravens were a lot better than we thought, it's bar none. You know, we did a podcast at the 2-2 two and two mark when the Browns and Ravens were tied for first place in the division. That was a long time ago. And since then, the Ravens have beaten all the teams that the Browns were hoping would beat them. Right, like Seattle, San Francisco, the Rams were three teams that I was like, listen, if if they beat the Browns and they beat the Ravens, we're going to be in this. Unfortunately, the Browns are 0-3 against those teams and the Ravens are 3-0. That's really the big difference in the NFL schedule right now is that the Browns couldn't take care of business against the teams that the Steelers and uh, Ravens have. And... uh, there have just been there have been there's been a lot so we can go right to the beginning and that's what we're gonna do because a lot of people are saying that the Browns talked a lot you know a lot of people are saying the Browns uh, came in you know and were talking all this trash they weren't right like Baker Mayfield was on the cover of GQ Landry and Beckham were on the cover of SI um, everything that has been quote unquote shit talking. Has really been misquoted. And I know you're probably rolling your eyes when you hear me say that. And you're probably thinking, oh, like, that's just a Browns fan. But, like, seriously, I would love to hear the trash talk. I would love to hear it. Because it's not trash talk. They Like, they just basically were saying what they have to do. What they want to become. Like, everyone said, okay, going into the season, Browns are talking all this trash. No, they weren't. The GQ article that Baker was talking about, he like they were before an interview, were eating, and he looked at the TV 
and saw that Daniel Jones was drafted the night before and he was like, wow, that's crazy, right? Like, didn't see that coming. Basically what every single person was saying. Yet that was taken out of context and then in the article placed as like, wow, Baker Mayfield thinks Daniel Jones sucks and that the Giants are stupid. Like, that's not what he was saying. He was just saying like, it was crazy. And a lot of people thought it was crazy. Like, almost every draft pundit was like, wow, didn't see that coming. I did predict that that would happen. But, you know, that's not here nor there. But that was the first thing is that, like, okay, New York media was, like, already on our case because they're like, oh, Odell's going to blow up on you guys. And now this happens. It's like, oh, Baker Mayfield, keep your keep my man's out name out your mouth. So I was like, all right, well, New York media is already against us. That's number one problem because the New York media is one of the most powerful uh like assets or, or powerful wait i don't even know what caller outers in the in the game right you, you don't want because that's just a mayhem that's why the knicks suck no that's not why the knicks suck so you have that with baker um then you have the guys on the cover of si and you say that like uh o- odo belkham strives to be the patriots yet is misquoted again and everyone says, oh, they want, they think they're going to be the Patriots. It's like, no, he's like, our goal is to be the Patriots. Whose goal wouldn't be to be that? The Super Bowl champions. The team that is year in, year out, always right there at the final stage. Like, come on. Everyone wants to be the Patriots. And yet they take that as, oh, the Browns are talking trash saying they're going to be the Patriots. No, they're not. It's just what he wanted to be. And that's the only thing Odell has really said this year, too. He's kept his mouth shut. He's worked hard. He's played in every game. He hasn't had the ball thrown to him a lot. Him and Baker haven't had the best connection this year. But he's actually not killed us. He's not thrown anyone under the bus. He had the Denver game where he was pissed off on the sideline and the camera was on him. And all he did was yell basically fuck. That was it. Like, that's his only thing this year. The other stuff is just distractive stuff, but that hasn't affected us in the game. You know, him having to take off his visor, uh, him getting fined for the watch, him getting fined for not covering his knees, which is such bullshit because I see Stefan Diggs doing like that and, and Texans receivers doing that. Uh, every game you see receivers not covering their knees with pads, but Odell gets fined for it. And maybe other players are getting fined for it too, but no one's talking about that. Odell gets fined for it and that gets talked about. So what, he's got, and he had to take off his shoes with Jarvis at the Denver game. So what, we got shoes, we got knees, we got visor, we got watch. Uh, yeah, none of this matters, but yet everyone wants to talk about it. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone outside of Browns fans. You know, and that's the other misconception this year is that Browns fans want to talk about these things and Browns fans are blaming these things. We're not. We're trying to address them and move on. That's really like 100%. Because the other thing that came out, if we're on the topic of clothing, Freddie Kitchens wears the Pittsburgh Started It t-shirt. And the big headline is, Freddie Kitchens wears shirt that says Pittsburgh Started It uh, in public. And it's like, okay, first of all, he was, at the, uh, he was at the movies with his daughters. He zipped up his jacket over it. And all you could see was like one letter, maybe three letters worth on the shirt in between where like the zipper was coming down when he took a selfie with a fan. 
the fan posted it, sent it to Pumpkin Nation, Pumpkin uh, or Pumpkinhead, and Pumpkinhead, who has gotten in trouble for multiple things this year, uh, does not speak for Browns fans, but since he has a big platform, uh, everything he touches matters, apparently. Um, and Pumpkinhead releases the picture and points out that it's the GV artwork Pittsburgh started it t-shirt. You know, just one of the many Cleveland-based t-shirt companies that has a lot of fun uh, with our misery. And to be honest, nobody touches having fun with our misery like Cleveland does. I mean, we really embrace it with all the t-shirts. You go to a Browns game, you're going to see a lot of fun artwork on on shirts. Uh, you go to a Ravens game, you get like five different players' jerseys. One of them is still, you know, Jamal Lewis. One of them is still Ray Lewis. One of them still is Ed Reed. And then the other two are probably now Lamar Jackson and oh, Todd Heap is still around. But regardless, that's all you get when you go to a Colts game or a Ravens game. And there's plenty of other teams, too, that all they really have are jersey wearers. You go to a Browns game, you get artwork of us making fun of ourselves or wearing jerseys of failed players past. That's the embracement that we have. So, you know, when people say like, oh, Browns fans are like sore losers or Browns fans can't take it. It's like you really got to take a step back and like think that over so anyway freddie kitchens where's that shirt he zipped up over it he didn't go out like he wasn't at a press conference wearing the shirt which people are treating it like he did he was at the movies with his daughters and a fan wanted to take a picture fan took the picture freddie had the the shirt zipped up but since people made the connection since cleveland fans know like hey that's the same type oh he was definitely wearing that shirt like and he kind of blamed his daughters. He was like, hey, my daughters wanted me to wear the shirt, so I did. I zipped up over it. Like, that should be it. That should be the end of the story. But instead, no. Our reporters have to ask players about it. Then they ask the Steelers players about it. National media is talking about it. And all the haters of the Browns have a bigger platform because the Browns have a losing record. I mean, well, they're only a game back of the Raiders, who everyone's like, oh, the Raiders, like the, the dandies of the NFL season. It's like... Browns were uh, one win away from being six and six and in and right in the middle of this thing uh, through all of the crap. But of course, they came up lame against the duck. And that's the problem this year. You know, the Browns have had they squandered their real opportunities to win games against Denver with Brandon Allen against Seattle, where they played a great game but had three turnovers, three interceptions. I, I mean, uh, and two of them hit off receivers' hands and popped up in the air. They had their chance against San Francisco, but they really shit the bed way too early, and that one just got out of hand. And as you see with San Francisco, just like Baltimore, they're a team that when they get ahead, they stay ahead. It's like a, they're like a. I mean, that's what they do. They haven't really been proven to come from behind. They're teams that are front runners, and they're really good at it. Uh, and then the Browns, of course, had the blunder against the Rams. They had the fourth quarter shit fest against Tennessee. They find a lot of new ways to lose. Oh, and then, of course, the most recent one, a 10-0 lead in Pittsburgh where it was completely silent and half full of Browns fans. And, of course, we squander that because we stopped running the ball in the second half. Like, I mean, six carries in the second half. Nick Chubb, come on. He's got to have 15 carries a half. 12 to 15 carries a half. And instead he got six in the second half where we were at halftime 10-10. And we abandoned the run. And put too much on Baker's hands. 
one of which was completely swollen because he had uh, hit it on a player's helmet at halftime, but you know, or at going into the half. So it's frustrating, and like everyone wants to say, you know, point blame. It's more that it's not just on one person, right? This isn't oh, Freddie Kitchens blew it. Like Freddie Kitchens has had a rough year. He had the bad, you know. I mean, we had 18 penalties against Tennessee in the home opener, where we're still in the game uh, going into the fourth quarter. We're down two, and we have 18 penalties. That's 18 times that the Titans say, "Whatever happened on that play, we'd rather take the penalty." You know, so 18 times where the Browns did better than what a penalty would have been, and the Titans are like, "Nope, we'll take the penalty instead." You know, so that's the way I look at it. 18 times that you can knock off whatever the Browns did, and nope, we're going to take that instead. Um, you know, and they beat the they lose they beat themselves against the Rams where they're in that game and they just blew it late by getting desperate and then on the on the goal line bad play calling. You know, and Freddie has had other blunders too where like bad play calling against Pittsburgh kind of ruined it for us. Bad play calling against Denver where that game we had no business losing because we had no turnovers, we had five penalties, and we outgained them. Yet it like and and had better time of possession. Everything pointed in the right direction in Denver, but that was just a fluky loss. So Freddie has had an up and down year, but just as much the blame goes on John Dorsey's shoulders. John Dorsey completely ignored the offensive line this offseason. And that was coming into the year, one of my big, big, big problems was, hey, we're expecting these tackles who are journeyman guys, who are league average, if not worse guys, who played really good last year, we're expecting them to repeat their out-of-character great seasons from 2018. And it hasn't happened. Greg Robinson, you know, for all the stats would suggest and the pro football focus grades and all of those things that go in, he still has a handful of plays a game where he looks like a tackling dummy out there. You know, and that's the that's the thing. When it goes into grading and stuff, you take in all the plays of one game, but it's like if you're gonna have four plays where you're on your ass and the quarterback gets killed, I don't care if the other 60 plays are positive. You can't have that from your left tackle. And Chris Hubbard, by God, I mean Chris Hubbard's been terrible. We can't run through him. He can't pass protect, and it's frankly been super frustrating because a lot of people ignored this problem, and we knew it was going to be a problem, but we ignored it. It's been a huge problem, and that was even that was even forgetting about right guard where we traded a Pro Bowl right guard and depended upon a rookie or a second-year guy who had never seen a snap on the field and still couldn't win the job, so then we're going to league replacement level guys. And all of a sudden, we have two solid starters along the offensive line. And we knew if you don't protect Baker, you're not going to be able to have success this year. We knew that. We absolutely knew that because everything goes through that. Nick Chubb's been playing outsta- like outstanding football. Jarvis Landry's been great. David Njoku hurt in the second game. He recorded like three catches on the year. It's been a lot of bad luck there. But Od- Odell, I mean... For as bad as a season as he's having, he's had two 100-yard games. He's really done a whole lot of nothing. He's still on pace to go for a thousand yards. Like it's it's pretty crazy that you know he just has such a high level or a high bar. So 
yeah, I get the where the frustration's coming from, but Dorsey forgot to address the O-line. It's something we're going to have to address in the draft this year, which I'm totally fine with because I love the line in this draft. Like, my God, there are so many good offensive linemen, coming, offensive tackles coming out in this draft that if the Browns went tackle in the first round and the second round, they're probably getting two instant starters, and that would be dynamite. So love the idea of that. And then... I mean, and then uh, if you go to the defensive side, we had no depth along the D-line. We knew that. And then the Miles Garrett ha- situation happens. And then our D-line depth is exposed because Olivier Vernon got banged up in that game. Ogan Joby got uh, suspended for a game. You know, and then, uh, you know, Chad Thomas gets banged up in a game. And Chris Smith and, and Devereaux Lawrence were so ineffective, they got cut. And we had brought in brand new guys. That was like, okay. Now our D-line depth is, is really showing that it's a problem. <clears throat> yeah, and, and, and safety was a big concern that a lot of people had coming into the season. It hasn't really killed the team as much as the other things has, but that's been a problem. It's one of those things that we could have been able to cover that up all right, and the corners missing a quarter of the season didn't even kill us then, too. Like We still were able to win a, a couple games and hang in there and play good with some good teams. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we missed our corners. So there's been a lot of things that it's not just on Kitchens. It's on John Dorsey, too. It's on the players. You know, Baker Mayfield admitted that he thought it would just come easy to him. And that's that's a problem. And we probably got ahead of ourselves. And that's fine. But we didn't talk shit. We didn't talk trash. People are just jealous that the Browns were being talked about because Browns fans were excited. Excited because... They won seven games last year after winning zero the year before, and they made obvious improvements, and they had young superstar players at key positions. These are all true things. Those are the facts. The Browns have young superstars at key positions. They have exciting players who are proven, and they had a seven-win increase from the year before after going 1-31. and Like, those are the facts, and people took that as shit-talking. No. We're just excited, and we won a, a Twitter poll where we're you know rating the best play uh, the best fans uh, on the planet or uh, in the NFL, and the Browns fans won because Browns fans are on Twitter and they make it known. So, uh, like yeah, you know, regardless, I just wanted to address that because Jason Lloyd the other day, one of the Browns media members I don't hate, said that why is it that when the Indians and the Cavs make mistakes, it's blaming the players, blaming the, blaming the organization. But when the Browns make mistakes, it's blaming the media. That made my head explode. We don't blame the media for the Browns' lack of success. We blame the media for being bad at their jobs, like Tony Grossi and Mary Kay Cabot. Two people I'm blocked, from, blocked by. Like, they're, they're incompetent. And there are, poss- there are upgrades out there. Like, we see them all the time. Like, they're all over Twitter... You know, I'd rather have uh, Trotter and Burns instead of those two. Just just sub them right in. and you're, Give me Vic Carucci back. Oh, I miss Vic Carucci. Whereas, you know, Mary Kay takes headlines that the wide receivers say, and, uh, like, we want to go into New England and win, and we want to be the next Patriots as Browns are going to the Super Bowl and Browns are predicting a win at New England. Like, she's just baiting 
That's all she does is bait people. And when our own media is trying to make us look bad, the national media is going to fucking run with it. So of course we look bad to everybody. And that's why everyone looks at the Browns and says this is a disaster because the only impression you have is bad football. I don't see it from Philadelphia and I don't see it from the Chargers. Nobody talks about them, but they've got the same exact record as the Browns and they were in the playoffs last year. How about the Cowboys are 6 and 6? They get shit on a lot because they're like a national brand. The Browns are like the only other team that gets shit on in the NFL other than the Cowboys. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. And it's just like it's just it's enough, right? A lot, you know, and and the thing that sucks maybe the most is that all the people that don't know the Browns and just made these opinions because of LOL Browns or classic Browns or LOL's Browns like all the things that like sh- have no education, those are the things that are coming true this year. You know, I I hate I hate referencing Colin Cowherd because he doesn't know much about the Browns, but he made one huge prediction that Freddie Kitchens was in over his head. Now he said Freddie Kitchens got hired because of his impressive jawline. I'll never forget that. It was like, okay, you obviously have never even seen the guy. You know, no offense, but he's not. He didn't get hired for his jawline. But the Browns did hire a rookie head coach that really hadn't had the experience. And that's where Colin Cowherd was right. Where he was wrong was that like it was going to be Odell Beckham blowing up. And where it was like, oh, the Browns are such an easy-to-predict team. Like, none of this was easy to predict. And the other people saying that the NFL's not picking on the Browns even though we feel like it. Well, show me where players are getting fined like Odell Beckham's getting fined even though he's doing the same things that they're doing. I see players wearing visors and and fun shoes and not covering their pat their knees all the time, but when we do it, it's a problem and it's newsworthy and it's distracting and it's like you know the handshake gate with San Francisco and Richard Sherman, you know like like you know it's another thing where it's like that wasn't even true. People are just making shit up. Like if you called out the Browns, like if Colin Coward started a show and said the Browns inability to get good offensive tackles still kills them i'd be like hell yeah you're absolutely fucking right and i'd, I'd love to listen to his show but instead he's like i told you i told you that uh freddie kitchens is in over his head and it's true and like that actually that's the true part but like he's like oh baker mayfield he can't handle this he's a he's a little boy and and, and he's like he's a kid in a candy store that doesn't have hand-. like he loves to make those stupid metaphors that don't make any sense. So It's frustrating. It's just frustrating stuff because we know that they have the talent to be better and they're so close. They're so close to actually being a pretty good team. And that's the part that I think gets everybody. Because what if we won one of those games? What if we won that Denver game that we led in every stat and that we should have won, right? Like... Had we won that one game, we'd be 6-6 six and six where everyone said we were going to be. And saying, wow, we survived the first half of the season. That was the really tough part. But we're here at 6-6 six and six and we have a shot at the playoffs. We were so close to doing that. But we got distracted this week. And of course, I haven't mentioned Miles Garrett yet. I haven't mentioned Mike Tomlin. But we all know that like, that's the story of this season. Because it's, oh, the Browns have no control. The Browns... The, you know, their head coach can't uh, take accountability. Their players are dirty, nasty, headhunters. 
And it's like, this is coming from Steelers fans. You know, the Steelers have been headhunting the Browns for years. Steelers fans are calling Browns fans classless. It's like, there have been years of classless Steelers fans invading Cleveland and talking shit and leaving while, like, talking shit. It's frustrating stuff, too. And, and people believe the headlines and all that shit. And it's just, it's wild. It's wild to me. Now, did Pittsburgh start it? Yes. Did the Browns escalate it to a level it shouldn't have? Yes. Did Mason Rudolph, was he innocent in all this? No. Would this have happened if Mason Rudolph just sat there instead of charging at Miles Garrett after it was already over? No, it wouldn't have happened. The only reason that this happened was because Mason Rudolph was tugging at Miles Garrett's helmet first. Then Mason Rudolph charged Miles Garrett while he was already being held back by two players, kicked him in the nuts, punched him in the nuts, apparently called him something that we have no evidence of, and then Miles Garrett swung the helmet. Like he was baited. He should not have done it, but he was baited, and that's why this all happened. And look, I know what Miles did was wrong. He should not have swung a helmet. I think people are still overreacting a little. Knowing that, like, okay, people suggesting he tried to kill a guy. He didn't try and kill a guy. Like, if he tried to kill a guy, he would have really tried to kill a guy. He wouldn't have swung once. But people are saying that because they don't, you know, live in the NFL world. And it's easy to talk shit after the moment. It's too bad. It's really too bad. Because if Miles Garrett just dropped the helmet, none of this would have happened. But... The Browns were given no benefits of the doubt after that. You can't swing a helmet at somebody and get the benefit of the doubt after anything. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's been a wild year. You know, and, and as much as the Colin Cowherd stuff hurts to say, it also hurts that, like, one of my good friends came into the year saying that this is going to be a worse year than ever for the Browns. And I was like, the fuck are you talking about? We have been winless we have been uh, one in 31. We have seen coaches fired. We've seen terrible quarterback play. We've like we've gotten everything. We've like there's nothing you've thrown you can't throw at the Browns fans. But this has been the most frustrating year. This has been a disaster. Now, is it worse than 0 16, 1 and 31? No. Not, not nothing's worse than that. But was the month of October just straight garbage? You know, because it was all it was was, oh, the Browns just like getting misquoted and getting their asses beaten by better football teams. Uh, yeah, that's what that was. But it's not worse. It sucks that he thinks he's right. And it sucks that it's like, of course, my friend who loves to troll people and loves to troll me and likes, you know, relishing in the fact that the Browns are having a down season. But this blame on the Browns' ear, it belongs everywhere. It belongs on the players, the head coach, the GM, and of course ownership because the circus always starts at the top. And that's what Jimmy Haslam and D. Haslam have brought in ever since they came aboard. Uh, you know, they've been a circus ever since they bought the team. And they might care and they might spend a lot of money and they might really try hard, but it, like it's some, something's got to give. And everything reflects from the ownership. So, I mean, you tell me. Like, it, it, it's got to start somewhere. I think a, the bad thing to do this year would be, you know, freaking out and saying, okay, the Browns 
should fire and start over and scratch. No, we're still close. If Freddie Kitchens isn't the guy, we'll find out. But I think he's allowed to make some mistakes on the run too. If we were, if we gave Hugh Jackson that much, that much leash, Freddie Kitchens deserves more than a season. You know, I mean, put him to perspective. Hugh Jackson won one game in two years, whereas the Dolphins, who some people are saying was the worst team ever, just went three and two and beat the Eagles. So, like, you tell me what's like not possible. The Browns roster wasn't that bad, where they can't go, where they can't win game like a game. The rant. I think we're done with the rant. <clears throat> Ending this shit, guys. We're not where we want to be. We're just short. I wanted to be 6-6 six and six at this point. I always had us losing this game at Pittsburgh, but we should have won this game because we're up 10-0. Uh, I always had us losing the game to Denver, but we should have had that game too. You know, and, and you know, you trade those, you, you know, take one of those, you take maybe two of those, we're 7-5 and five, and in the driver's seat for a wild card berth. Combine that with the fact that Baltimore's playing out of their mind and probably going to have the best season in franchise history, guaranteed they come back down to earth next year when people start playing Lamar a second time. That'll be for a whole different pod. But in terms of what to expect from this year, it's been an absolute shitstorm, and the Browns have still hung in there. I don't think there's anything you won't be able to throw at them next year, and I do think better times are ahead. Go Browns.